come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. Welcome to 90s Disney, your podcast for everything about Disney in the 90s. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, joined by my brothers, Mike Minotti. Hello. And Chris Minotti. It's me. I'm here. Whoa, brand new energy. I don't know if I like (laughs) it. Well, it's different. I'm looking at a picture of you instead of uh, in front of you. Yes, we yes we are doing this remotely once again because Chris has COVID. Yeah. You did it. I feel complete. I know. I you're, you're this asymptomatic time. COVID. Yes. The, I, luckily, I got my booster right before Christmas. And yeah. I think well, that's helping. The guy who got the I booster two days ago, and I feel like garbage. I had the booster and felt nothing. My arm wasn't even sore. Oh, good for the tuna. <laughs> anyway. Good for the tuna. Yeah, whose arms were probably pretty sore because he did so much heavy lifting because of all his big muscles. Oh, Hercules. yes. I know, the man, I know the man you're speaking of. Hercules yeah, himself. Yeah, we're going to. We're going to talk about the animated film Hercules from Walt Disney Studios. Chris has done an extensive amount of research on this film, so I'm going to let him take it away. Chris, take well, me back you know, that, that's, to 1997. That's, that's how it usually happens. you gotta got to research and all that. I always end up writing more than I mean to, but uh, you, know, <laughs> you try to condense it down to where it needs to go. But anyway, so 1997, June 13th to be specific is when the film was released. Uh, other important things that happened this month, I guess one very important thing to us in, in our nerddom, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was published June 26th of the same year. I feel like this was right, like, I don't think I remember really knowing much about Harry Potter until, like, around when the fourth one came out. Well, this would well, have been the British publications. I don't know when it came, it came to the States later. Yeah, a little yeah. later. That's right. But yeah. for us, it was when the first movie was coming and the fourth book came yeah. out around the same time. I think you're right. Because I remember we were in... Out. We were in Columbus, and we went to the Barnes & Noble, and that's when we bought the first three books. And we read them before the movie came out, because we were just like, well, we got to hop on this train, I guess. <laughs> and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Um, the number one movie, uh, sadly, for this month, <laughs> was not Hercules. Uh, it was the Jurassic Park, the Lost World, uh, excuse me, the Lost World Jurassic Park. It's yeah. very important not to, not to mix those two up. Um, Hercules was six for the month, even though, I mean, it did come in the middle of the month, so, you know. Six, whatever. How can you judge that? But uh, other movies that came out this month uh, were Con Air, nice. Batman and Robin, and Speed nice. 2. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I very specifically remember this era of like being at the movie theater. I remember they had a giant Speed 2 cardboard cutout. I remember <laughs> uh, I was forced to go see Lost World, even though I didn't want to, because I thought it would be scary. And it was. It was scary. Well, yeah, like the first half hour, that the guy got ripped in half by yeah, a two like, T-Rex. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Yeah. Jurassic Park <laughs> 1 isn't nearly as scary as 2, I thought. I thought 2 got a little bit too, uh, I don't even know if gory is the word, but it was a bit much. I remember watching it years later and like, hey, that's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> like yeah, I think a lot of people have that experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Con Air, right. actually the best movie that came out this month, it turns out, maybe. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Better than Hercules, you <laughs> shut mean, it. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty know. good movie, Chris. Con Air's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Well, what about Speed 2? I'd never it, seen Speed 2. What about two? Speed 2? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we all like Keanu, but no, he wasn't, was he not in that one? Was I it just Sandra Ball? I think it was. No, it was on a boat. It was a cruise ship. Yeah. on a boat. Better on a boat. Yes, yes. Turns out not so much. Anyway, anyway, number one song, uh, I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy with uh, Faith Evans. I don't know that song. We, we never Puff do. Daddy, this, is, this is for P. Diddy and Diddy and then just Sean Combs. P. Diddy it, and if, Puff Daddy are the same person? Shocking, <laughs> I know. Oh. If, if it wasn't in a, in a weird alpaca, we, you probably don't know it if it was in the 90s. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's see. The beginning of this film here. The origins of Hercules and how we came to get it. Uh, back in the day, I'm sure they still do this now in Disney animation, but they used to have something called gong show presentations uh, for the animation team, where basically uh, animators were given, like the, the whole department, uh, two minutes to pitch any new idea that they you know wanted to work on or whatever 
to Disney execs. So in early 1992, an animator uh, by the name of Joe Hadar um, pitched this uh, idea for a Hercules film. Um, and he, his idea, I mean, of course, was very different than, than what we got. It was set during the Trojan War, where both sides of the war were seeking Hercules to basically be like their secret weapon. Uh, he was like the MacGuffin. That's, that's right. That's right. That's pretty weird. I'm pretty sure Hercules has nothing to do with the Trojan War or, or the Iliad. Also, it's you know I, war. I mean, I mean the, the <laughs> Hercules we got it doesn't really have anything to do with Hercules anyway. Sure, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's a little closer, at least. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at the same pitch, there were a couple. Of, I I, just, I thought this was interesting looking at this, but there's a couple other uh, films that were a pitch at the same a Gong Show presentation. One was for Homer's The Odyssey. They're also uh, like which very actually, fun. Yeah, that, that could have been. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of that Greek uh, time set there. Was this around uh, the same time that the that miniseries was on TV? And you know, I, I've had that miniseries in my head the last few days for some reason. That was a great what, series. Remember that? Which one? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those miniseries. It was like event television. Thursday night at primetime. Tune in to watch, you know. Well, not all series Gullers are like travels. now. Yeah, but it's not, you know, we have DVR and Netflix sure, now. It wasn't right. like everyone had to get there at 7 and, o'clock on Thursday. Or and then they would sell, like, the two VHS set of it at the yeah. grocery store aisle. Yeah. Like, buy, yeah, buy Gulliver's <laughs> Travels. I was like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, so so Jay, Joe uh, Hadar, he has this pitch for Hercules ready to go. And before him, earlier on, was the Odyssey. And even though it did get approved, you know, quote unquote approved, he felt like his Hercules pitch had no chance because, again, it was kind of the same sort of subject matter. Um, but anyway, but Joe Hadar, just a little background about him. He first worked for Disney uh, on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and he worked on other films as an animator for The Rescuers, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Mulan. Later on, past Hercules, he was there with Mulan, Atlantis, and Home on the Range. Atlantis makes sense. Atlantis is the closest visually to Hercules. Like, it has some of those kind of harder edges and stuff. The style. Yes. Yeah. Uh, His final film with Disney uh, was Enchanted uh, until he was unfortunately let go in 2007. Hmm. Really kind of one of the... um, That's when a lot of the 2D guys were Yes, yeah, 2D guys. Yeah, and 3D animation was coming into its full swing. We needed more Chicken Littles. That's right. Gotta have those. Uh, so yeah, in the end of that uh, that Gong Show presentation, the Odyssey, Hercules, and one other one uh, went through, and I could not for the life of me find what that third one was. But if anybody knows, I'd be curious to, to know what that I was. Want, well, I wonder, so obviously Odyssey didn't happen. I wonder like around this time frame, what would the third one have been that was approved that wasn't done in Florida? So it wouldn't have been Mulan. Um, it, maybe it was Tarzan. I mean, it could have even been a third one that that also didn't, didn't get. Happen. Sure, didn't I'm still going with Tarzan. Is my guess based I, off I, of yeah. nothing but time. There you go, Tarzan. It is. Uh, but I mean, honestly, yeah. When you think about putting that into an animated Disney feature, I mean, it's pretty long, you know. Yeah. But, and their reasoning, you know, it lacks central characters, uh, and you know, just hard to adapt for a, a comedy and animation. But, yeah, that um, would have been a disaster. I don't think you can make the Odyssey <laughs> into a fun kids book. I mean, they you had the Sinbad movie later, which was kind of like similar, anyways. It was like taking this larger epic and sort of doing a spin on it. And that movie actually isn't too bad. I would like to watch it again, but I don't think you yeah. can even you can't even sure. really do that with Odysseus like you can with Sinbad. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, get Brad Pitt in there to lighten the mood. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so uh, so this was 1992, uh, the fall, and Joe Hadar. This is the last he was. Ever, ever worked on Hercules? This is it. This was this was his contribution. So he just pitched it. He he pitched it, and, and that was that. Huh? Yep. So again, it, it kind of you know it, these films that you know they have so many working at one time. They get so far, you know, whatever, and they just kind of sit in the animation studios, just you know, waiting for whatever opportunity there is for it to get picked up further. But, I uh, wonder, like, what's his? Is, does he get like a percentage? Does he get like a payday for this? Like, you know, he came man, up with this think. idea. Yeah, I, I, you would but think. I mean, they, they, he's brought up quite a bit, even in interviews with the direct, the directors here, who we'll talk about. Um, you know, they talk about him too. So, well, he's so on it is IMDb, because I just looked him up. He is listed as the animator of Adult Hercules. I don't think that's true. That's because I looked around quite a bit. I think that is false. It was not him. It was, uh, you know, we'll get there. But um, <laughs> now you're making me look ahead and skip here. But <laughs> so I didn't mean yeah, to throw it, you off your game. But. It, it, it was Andre uh, Deja. I forget right. how to say his last name. I didn't mean name. to well, throw you off your game. I was just calling you a liar. 
Yes, it's okay. I I'm do just, that to I'm you just fact-checking because, they, I mean, they had animation teams. Like, Andreas Deja was the lead animator in Hercules, but he could have been one of the yes. supporting animators. Yes. Well, from what I saw, he was done at, with the project after that. But I could be wrong. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, in come Ron Clemens and John Musker, who we know as the uh, the directors of Little Mermaid and Aladdin, and with their first project being The Great Mouse Detective in 1986. So they come in, uh, there's the whole story a lot of people know that they want to make this, this uh, film adaptation uh, for uh, Treasure Island. And they want to do this like space sci-fi epic, call it Treasure Planet, and you know, do their thing. That's like their big dream that they want to do. And they were hoping to get, this, get working on this uh, right after Aladdin was done. And especially after doing Aladdin, Little Mermaid, and even Great Mouse Detective, you know, they would have... Hit after their, hit. Yeah, right. To, to be like, yeah, this is what we want to do. This is this is our plan. But no, 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 no. In comes Jeffrey Katzenberger. Katzenberger. He, he doesn't like it. Katzenberg, sorry. He, he <laughs> Not a burger. Yeah, burger. I'm just hungry. Sorry. <laughs> I had a burger for lunch, uh, but I'll take one for dinner. I'm glad so they play he, you uh, Tuesday for a burger today. There you go. Yes, yes. So Jeffrey, he gave he did give them a, an initial like attempt. So he gave them until fall 1993 to kind of like to spin them on the treasure planet concept and sell them on it. Uh, they worked on it un- until then. Uh, he was still not sold on the pitch, but he made a deal with them. He said, if you know, basically if you can produce another hundred million dollar plus, you know, box office Disney animation feature, you guys can have your treasure planet. But if they disagreed, then treasure planet, he promised he would never green light as long as he was head of the studio. So more of an ultimatum than like a deal. <laughs> yeah. Not really a deal. Yeah, so what are you going to do? They agreed, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, so Ron and John, they agreed, you know, with this quote-unquote deal uh, from Katzenberg. Yeah. Um, so what they did, uh, you know, their hands tied behind their backs here. They kind of moseyed on over to Disney Feature Animation's development office, where there's always, you know, tons of projects in the pipeline uh, at any stage, really, or, you know, very early stages. Most of these don't even get picked up into full uh and animated features uh but some that were uh, that were uh, going on uh, in the office at the time they had plans for uh, around the world in 80 days uh don quixote uh, pygmalion and as we pre- previously mentioned the odyssey uh man don quixote that would have been really cool to see that would have been cool story the problem there is that there's already like that famous broadway musical version of it so it's like what yes, you're gonna make yeah. a different musical of don quixote yeah. granted yeah so. when did that even come when did that come out that would have been uh, Man de la Mancha, that's probably like 60s or 70s, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so definitely, yeah, well-known for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, none of these excited the pair. Uh, they felt they lacked stories idea. story ideas, wouldn't work in animation. Uh, like, one thing that they really, really uh, wanted to kind of go for was like a comic book kind of feel, because they were huge comic book fans. Uh, so they kind of had that in the back of their minds when they were looking at, at what to kind of uh, choose as their next project. So then they came across uh, John Hadar's Hercules pitch. <clears throat> and this they felt they could really kind of convert Hercules into like this superhero, uh, you know, like like a superhero, like a Superman, like a demigod, you know, living amongst the people sort of thing. Um, and, and in their own words, I thought these couple quotes here were, were pretty cool uh, from Ron Clemens. Uh, Mythology appealed to us because it hadn't really been tapped into before for an animated feature. The pastoral sequence and Fantasia touched on it somewhat, but not to any great extent. The idea of Hercules being half man, half god presented lots of interesting and humorous possibilities. Uh, And John Musker, the story of Hercules seemed like it would be great for animation because of its fantasy elements and the fact that you're dealing with characters that are larger than life. The opportunity to do a superhero action-adventure story was too good to pass up. There had been many cheesy versions of the Hercules story done before, but there hasn't really been an A version. Can I I go on a quick tangent? Yeah. The, the the best cheesy Hercules movie is Hercules in New York. Has anyone ever seen that? <laughs> no. I think I thought I've seen Hercules versus the Mars people. Mystery no. Science Theater Three Thousand has done. Oh, Hercules in New York. That's the first Arnold Schwarzenegger one when he was still known as Arnold Strong. Yeah, that's. Oh first, like, my that was, like, God. So I, I need to explain it. just real quick because this is just funny. So. Um, a buddy of mine tracked down a, 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 they re-released this on DVD when I was in grad school so of course we decided to go to my one buddy's place and watch this and just goof off and it's like 
again, Arnold's first movie, you know, he's got the accent and it's the, you know, father, oh, yeah, I am sure. child of life on Olympus, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. But like, so we're watching this movie, it's going along. The whole story is like, you know, Zeus to punish Hercules. It's very Thor actually sends him to New York to learn what it's like to be immoral. And he befriends this uh, Jewish street cart uh, guy who sells pretzels named Pretzi. And uh, he's got the very stereotypical kind of Woody Allen, you know, like, oh, hey, you hike. What are you doing here, Hulk? Yeah, oh, that yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the end of the movie, Hercules stops some bad guys from doing something bad. I don't even remember what it was. And he goes back to Olympus, and Pet- Pretzi's all sad because Herc didn't say goodbye. And, you know, and he walks into his apartment. He's like, oh, why'd you do that, Hulk? Take a powder without saying goodbye. And the radio turns on, and it's he's like, Herc, is that you? And you hear this voice that's just like, my friend. I have valued our time together, and I will always cherish the memory of your friendship. And it's like, wh- why, why is, why is that not on on Schwarzenegger? Then we watch in the bonus features the trailer for the movie, and in the trailer, it's like this dubbed voice over Arnold, this guy doing like this stereotypical hero voice. We're like, wow, they like dubbed Arnold for the trailer. Turns out they dubbed him for the whole movie because they thought people wouldn't understand him. So for this DVD re-release, they oh restored all gosh. of his original recorded audio. <laughs> but he never thing. recorded that line for the radio because why would he? That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it it's so, so good. It's amazing. Yeah, first movie. Well, AJ, that was, in fact, a tangent. Yes. Well, okay. Well, and, that, and that, we... That's an example of the kind of Hercules movies we used to get. Yes, yes. Well, I laugh at that quote, too, a little bit, because he talks about making, like, the A version of the film. And, and it's funny, because to me, it's the A version of the film. But as far as as far as far Greek, like, mythology, historical accuracy goes, you know, it's nothing. Uh, not so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't, think, I don't think there's ever been a prestigious Hercules movie. Like, the last one we got was the one with The Rock. So, oh, know, yeah. It just lends itself to cheese. Yes, of course. Yep, so, okay, so they, they pick their film. They're happy. They're going to, you know hit the ground running and start working on this. Uh, so they spend the next uh, nine months researching Greek, Greek mythology and how do we exactly adapt this? Uh, I, I mean, they, they had the pitch from John, but and, you know, obviously it's not what they're really looking forward or looking forward. Literally, it's just, oh, forward. Hercules. <laughs> yeah, so it's that. just like, yeah, it just the sparked the idea of Hercules, superhero, boom, let's go, let's do this. Um, yeah, and, like how do we make this for a Disney audience? I mean, like obviously, like one example that I laugh at is they, they can't necessarily have, like, the whole, like, how Zeus sired Hercules outside of his marriage with Hera. They're not going to talk about that, you know, in, in the <laughs> film. They're going to keep it very PG. So during this nine-month time, uh, they wrote several story treatments. Uh, they brought in a, a screenwriting team. Uh, Ron and John, they were, they're credited as screenwriters, but they brought in two other guys, uh, Bob Shaw and Donald McEnry, who uh, were a team that, that worked together. And what I found about them, specifically Bob Shaw, was that he, he, they were both stand-up comics, um, but they had previously uh, worked for Seinfeld. Uh, they wrote an episode in season three called The Tape. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember which that episode that? at all. So, is that, which, yeah, I want to see. I want to Okay. I mean, it, when yeah. I hear the tape, I'm thinking, is that the answering machine tape? Is that the one it, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. When Elaine makes like that sexy answering machine uh, recording for Jerry, where they don't know it's Elaine. And they all three, like Kramer and uh, and Jerry and George, kind of end up falling in love for this mystery person, <laughs> but it's Elaine. So yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, but they, they wrote that episode and they consulted for twenty three other episodes. Hmm. Um, but Ron or John, I forget which one. They they saw uh, Bob doing stand up once, and and they just they wanted to work with him, so they they brought him along. <clears throat> and they also brought in um, Irene uh, Mechi. She came in uh, to create the final screenplay, who's who's already a uh, Disney uh, screenwriter. She pre- previously worked on Lion King and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh. So all five are given screenplay credit, and she was kind of like the one that like kind of you know made it like the final. You know, right. got out all the fluff. Tab you know, must yeah, know her the then, working. AJ. Probably Tab Nerfy, yeah. her good buddy. Oh, Yo, you have to ask. Um, so that's the script. We go on to the to the cast here uh, for Hercules, the man himself. They originally uh, auditioned Donny Osmond. But funny enough, they found his voice to be too deep. I can uh, see that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in comes Tate Donovan, who to me is an, an unknown uh, other than Hercules. Uh, yeah. He had, do- he had done no... But what's funny enough, though, I guess there are a lot of, in these animated uh, <clears throat> Disney films, they do that a lot. They'll bring in some people they never really heard of other than, you know... Right. I mean, it used to be the norm. It was kind of, at this point, it's becoming a little bit more unusual that you it wasn't some famous person doing the main voice. But, I mean, like, Hunchback, the guy who was Hunchback wasn't super famous or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but yeah, he had done no voice work prior. Uh, he was just like a film and television uh, actor. Uh, supervising animator for Hercules uh, described his audition as charming yet innocent, and it was exactly what they were looking for. And that and supervising animator being Andre. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Josh Keaton was uh, young Hercules. Uh, interesting here, Roger Bart. Do you know who that guy is, AJ? Roger I do. Bart? D- did you know before looking at the notes? <laughs> uh, yes, because I watched a video that you told me I should check out. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, that helped. So, Mike, this is uh, in the producers of the film, and I believe in the original uh, Broadway run of the show. Right, yes. You, yeah, Roger Debris, he played his partner, uh, Roger Carmen Bart. Gia. Carmen oh, Gia, that's right. yes, that He's guy. having a stroke. Oh, genius! Yes, that guy. That guy. Okay, that's, okay really, that makes sense. What's really funny, and we'll touch on this at the end of the episode, they're actually working on a Hades uh, stage show to be on Broadway eventually, maybe sometimes. Kind of yeah. yeah, sorry, Hercules. And he is playing was playing Hades in this show in 2019-20. Well, he so um he's playing Doc back. Brown in that Back to the Future musical that yes, started. Yes, that's right. Long ago. And that's in London. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he's in Doc Brown too. Yeah, Someday. he's a, he's a big Broadway guy. Yeah. So uh, Philoctetes, the part was written with Danny DeVito in mind. Uh, but at the time, he originally declined the, uh, to audition at first. So they were looking at other guys like Ed Asner, who you know I would have been interested to see. Uh, Ernest Borgnine, Dick Latessa, and Red Buttons. They were all brought in to audition. Who's uh, Red but Button? I don't know. I Red just Button sounds like a, a thing. That's not a person. Is that like it, Red Skellington? Is he a it, clown? It, it, Probably. I, I read it like four times thinking that same thing. Like, no, this is definitely a name. <laughs> I'm looking up Red Buttons now. Do it. That is I a guy. Yeah, Keep going. American uh, actor and stand-up comedian. Okay, then. There you go. There you go. All those old-timey names we, we didn't don't really know yeah no idea but, he's known for films such as they shoot horses don't they oh he's in peach dragon okay so yeah. there's a oh there you go okay yeah uh so they auditioned nothing was really working out so they approached devito again this time um well he was actually in the middle of filming uh matilda and they took him out to like this pasta lunch you know kind of schmooze him a little bit yeah. and after some discussion they are he finally agreed so they they got their original guy there uh, for for Meg Megara 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 I don't know Megara Meg, Megara yeah I was completely wrong smoking hot Babara <laughs> hey that's right uh, Susan Egan is who ends up voicing uh, Meg she she had always auditioned uh, to be in a Disney film ever since Beauty and the Beast so I guess only a few years between those two but uh, she definitely wanted to be in a Disney movie and she was trying and trying uh, funny enough she actually auditioned for and got the role for Belle for the original Broadway run of Beauty and the Beast for the Broadway right. show. And she did over 780 performances of that. Yeah, I believe she played the original run in New York and also toured with it. And toured as well, that's right. I didn't yeah. even know that, huh? Yep, so she heard about this Hercules uh, movie and actively pursued uh, the role for Meg. But Alan Menken and uh, Ron and John, they were kind of blocking her from doing it because they knew her as Belle. And, uh, you know, Meg is not, you know, they're completely different people, you know, Meg's not really the sweet, innocent person, but as she, you know, described, she was acting doing Belle. Meg <laughs> it's always is funny definitely to more like, her. You know, show people like they don't understand acting. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like she can't do it. She does. Oh, this but thing. that last part you did, it was different. <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like they li- literally get typecasted in that one role, and they just can't leave your mind. <clears throat> but uh, so they relented. She auditioned, and what do you know? She got the part. I love Susan. Yeah, it's funny how it worked out because I heard that originally they, when they were considering Danny DeVito, they almost passed on him because he's not a mythical creature. Right. Yes. Wait. What? That was a joke. I know. It... I, I was letting it go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> okay. Then. Jeez. Good. No. For, no. I, I went. Nah. We'll see. We'll see what people say. I thought that was uh, up there with the bads. I love, Susan. I love Susan, though. She's in a bunch of uh, things that just happen to Joy. She does a couple of me, uh, roles in Ghibli films. She's like, uh, uh, she's kind of like the, uh, the the love interest in Porco Rosso. And she's also like the kind of mentor worker at uh, in Spirited Away. And she's also the voice of uh, of Steven Universe's mother in Steven oh, Universe. Well, that's why you like her, Steven well, Universe. Yeah, because, yeah, she's in a bunch yeah. of stuff I love. She's great. She has a fantastic <laughs> voice. Yes, yes. Very recognizable, noticeable. Uh, as soon as you hear it, you know. <clears throat> For Hades, the man himself, uh, they originally wrote this part with Jack Nicholson in mind, uh, with DeVito kind of you know, suggesting that. 
Uh, so they were really leaning towards Jack kind of playing this part when they were fleshing out the character more. Um, the studio offered Jack $500,000 to play Haiti. But Jack Jack requested a paycheck of ten to $15 million plus 50% of Haiti's merchandise proceeds. Completely way out of what they were originally wow. offering. That's can, pretty can nuts. Can you imagine I mean, coming back with that? Like, no, that's no, no, no. A, that's a that would be a good portion of this movie's budget, probably. All right. That's now, I mean, I, mean, they went, they I get it because, like, like, Jack Nicholson, you know, especially in, in the '90s, he he is a movie star with a capital yeah. S. You know, like, so I'm sure yes. he thought he was worth that. And, I mean, and like honestly, you said, we we, we were was. getting to the point of like big stars being in these films and being promoted yeah. as, as being part of the cast. I so. bet Jack's probably talked to Robin Williams too and stuff, and Robin probably told him how they screwed him over and whatnot. Sure, I mean they even went so far; they did animation tests with like Jack Nicholson's voice. I remember seeing yeah. that floating around out there somewhere or another. So they that was the first idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did a whole schmooze. They had him come to the to the studio and gave him a you know a bunch of sweet swag and all that. There's a cool story where it's Christmas time. He's got all these presents, and he's walking out with his three-year-old daughter. Before he gets in the limo, he turns around and says, Merry Christmas, as he's carrying all these bags. And well, you got to do the Jack where it's Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. That's on you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ron and John, they then asked uh, John Lithgow to be Hades. And this is before uh, Third Rock to the Sun. So maybe not as many audiences would kind of know who he was at this point. Right. right. This would have been fall 1994. And way before Shrek. <laughs> yes, way before Shrek. I mean, to the point, he was actually on the project for, for nine months. Um, wow. and it just it just didn't work out. I would love to see some or hear some audio of that. I mean, I just, that I, just, sounded like. I just see Lord Farquaad. That's all I can right? <laughs> it's so No, hard. I'm typecasting. Yeah, look at you. He's an actor, Mike. Mm, prestigious. So, yeah, he worked on the project for nine months, released in August 1995. Uh, a bunch of other people were brought up to audition, but none of them were working. Uh, Kevin Spacey, the, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, and, Kevin uh, well, Phil Hartman. Yeah. Phil Hartman would have been cool. Uh, although James Wood is himself a kind of uh, also problematic, problematic individual. Yeah. Not quite Kevin yeah. Spacey bad. Not, you know, no. Hasn't yeah. no. committed crimes, per se. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so uh, so James Woods was eventually asked to, to read for the role. Uh, Ron and John, they, they were not necessarily enthused by this, but Disney casting kind of convinced to, to give a try, citing his speed and his intelligence. And, you know, when you hear him talk, he's just nonstop. He's going, going, going. So it brought this energy to the character that they didn't necessarily realize for Hades at the time and, and really kind of made them rework the character, uh, you know, for from based off James's uh, performance. Because <laughs> when you think about, like, you know, Jack Nicholson doing the part, you know, he's got that kind of slower... Yeah, you know, that swagger, drawn out you know, timbre and, to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, you know, the character was going to be much different. Yes, yes. So a lot of energy he brought he brought in there. Um, and what's fun, funny too, and you know, this is a little kind of sneaky way to kind of riff on on Katzenberg here, but uh, apparently his likeness and kind of you know like t- take on the character was inspired uh, for Hades Katzenberg. That is, so like the smooth talking, powerful figure. But also charming and ruthless, you know, and like the, the kind of like sharp edges of his face, you know, kind of played into the Hades look. So they kind of, you know, threw that in as a little little jab for the a deal with the devil, so to say, to get Treasure Planet made. Yeah, so a pretty similar thing there. Yeah. Now this, this is my favorite part about, you know, research. Yeah, I, knew, I, knew, I knew you'd key on this when I learned about it. Now, I've known of this person before because of his previous work. But uh, so Disney, they were looking for a fresh kind of look of how to tell this Greek mythological, you know, tale, be a little different from their typical, you know, Disney fair. What can they do different? Um, and in comes Gerald Scarf. Now, Gerald Scarf, I knew originally from uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, from the, the film. There's a large uh, animation um, sequence kind of in the middle there. That is completely mesmerizing and blows me away. And, and even like the art for it is throughout the album and everything. Very like, ob- you know, very different surreal. It, it's great. So Joe Scarf did that. Um, he also did a, he used to work for Time uh, back in the 60s, Time Magazine. And he did a cover of The Beatles. So again, this is like, like two of my favorite bands here. I was right. all excited. I didn't even know about this, this cover here. Joe Scarf, he made out of paper mache like this super like surreal look of the Beatles, and uh, they did he did a Time magazine cover for it. Ron and John recalled this this uh, cover, and they liked you know the way it looked, thought that it kind of could in a way represent like that Greek vase painting style, 
and kind of what they wanted for the for this film. So they they called him in. They asked if he would you know come in you know take a look at the the film here that they're working on. Um, and they hired him. He agreed. They hired him as a production designer, <clears throat> and he laid out a bunch of like visual styles for the characters, like you know like the initial drawings that you kind of do, right? Like, like you know those drawings of um like for like Tim Burton what he did for Nightmare Before Christmas sure. years before his thing, like those kind of drawings, like very right. Perfect, That's the pre-production yeah. concept, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the prototypes. So he had these prototypes for the characters by 1995, <clears throat> and if you look at some of them, it's it, it's crazy to see how like different yet similar so much of it is, especially Hades. Like he nailed it uh, pretty early on. Uh, production stylist Sue Nichols kind of she came in. She was a Disney uh, employee. She came in and kind of reeled in a lot of um, his initials his designs to make it more you know manageable to animate because they're not sure. really going to animate these kinds of the drawings that he you know was expecting at first so i mean he had a lot of lessons to learn too and such like you know a big you know uh, feature production like this <clears throat> uh the film itself took nearly 700 animators uh, uh to get done uh and even 10 minutes of it were done in uh, walt disney animation in uh, france division so and some of that footage uh is the finale with the titan in the that cool scene where Hercules is descending into the underworld, you know, trying. This is the studio that primarily did the Goofy movie. Yes, that's right. That's is right. this the studio that's responsible for that discrepancy in the height of the the water and that river, the damn thing, when Hercules and Hades are talking to each other on that cliff at the end? Because that always drove me a little crazy. Like one moment, it's like within arms oh reach, my gosh, then yes. the next he does like that high dive into it. Well, <laughs> like, I then, know I'm being then, picky here. Yeah, but then he's carrying Meg, and he just like reaches on the cliff and right. pulls himself just up. up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think can honestly every say time. I never noticed this, but now oh, you have me. I uh... noticed. <laughs> well, Mike, that's probably exactly right. You're probably right. They they you know took this off to the animation division in France. And they did that one scene. That was it. Huh. Funny. Um, so as I said before, uh, Andre, how do you guys? How would you Deja? say that last Andre Stasia. Andre Stasia. Yeah, uh, he was the supervising animator for Hercules. He was previously the supervising animator for Gaston, Jafar, and Scar. So, uh, I mean, he's a well-known, yeah, big villain guy. He's well-known. You guys will recognize him if you mm-hmm. see him. But he was really excited <coughs> Excuse to be me. the hero character for a change. Yeah, right. Yeah. Change things up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Eric Goldberg, uh, his big pre, he was a supervising animator for um, Philoctetes, and his big thing was Genie before he previously animated Genie. Uh, and there's always the joke going around because if you look at Eric Goldberg again, you know a lot of people would probably recognize. Him. But a lot of similar characteristics to Danny DeVito and you know by uh, relation Phil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you know short, stuff. stocky, you know bald. So you know a lot of good good chemistry going on there. He's still uh, actually at hi- Disney too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's still there. Uh, the Hydra um, again initial designs by uh, Gerald Scarf just had like one drawing. Handed, the, the whole sequence with the Hydra was a CGI sequence. Uh, it was handed off to Roger Gold, who headed the computer animation team at Disney during this time. He's currently now the CCO of Pixar and the creative officer at Walt Disney Animation Studios and a principal advisor at WDI. So he definitely him. has uh, made his way up there. He knows I really like that Hydra. Right. It's yeah, a very good that. Hydra, Michael. Yeah. It is a very good Hydra. So, so it started as a clay model. I mean, this is what, you know, 95, whatever it is. So very early, uh, you know, stuff going, groundbreaking stuff going on here. But it started as a clay module. They digitized all the dimensions of this model, created this wireframe for the one head uh, to animate it. Uh, and they wanted to get at least 30 Hydra heads at a time. So it's like animating 30 completely separate characters of this wireframe, um, one image, you know, at a time on a computer. So... Took a long time. There are 15 animators and technical directors, and they spent a year and a half creating just this four-minute battle. Worth it. I think it yes, still looks amazing today. It's one of the and best examples of early CG that exists. Not only does it look amazing, it's truly terrifying at times. Oh yeah, like, I mean, well, just because, like, at the end of the fight when he, when all the heads are are loose and they just fill the screen, and again, like. Maybe today you'd be like, well, whatever, computers, we could do anything. But, you know, back then, you still didn't quite see stuff like that, especially in animation like this. No, no, nothing on that scale. So the way that all worked and the way it was choreographed, where he's, like, sliding through these necks and dodging heads and they're biting each right, other. Right. Like, it's very well just, to, like, you know, planned out as, as far as yeah. the sequence goes. And still having Hercules be, you know, a, a traditional 2D MA character. Yeah, having those two that. blend and everything. Right. Well, and the, kind of the other neat thing, too, do you know what else was uh, CGI um, in the Hercules? 
consistently hmm. throughout the film. Why it's not? it's pretty prominent. It's in a lot of the movie with one character in particular. Is it a, is it his sword? No, it's uh, is it Hades, is it Hades hair. Yes, Hades hair. That is yeah. Cool. yeah. That's pretty good. One more quick, uh, I guess, aside. What was the first uh, animation film to use CGI? That would be so was it the uh, Great Mouse Great Detective? Mouse Detective with the clo- with the clock. Yeah. Yes, that the is clock tower. That is yeah. that is right. Which is an inferior version of the clock tower scene from Castle of Cagliostro by Miyazaki, but that's okay. Yes, oh, of course. Get over it. Of course. Oh, have you is. seen Have you seen Castle of Cagliostro? I can't say that. I have. <laughs> Are you missing out? That movie's fantastic. <laughs> Look like yeah. I guess you have your night playing for you, Edge Guy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're playing Final Fantasy fourteen, but sometimes. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, COVID so, boy. What else? So Ron and John, <laughs> I feel fine. <laughs> Ron and John, they, so let's get into the music here. Uh, Ron and John, they already had a good working relationship with Alan Menken, who absolutely has a proven track record here uh, with Disney animated films, working with them specifically on Little Mermaid and Aladdin. So, you know, he was asked to come back uh, for Hercules. <clears throat> Alan Menken then brings in a Tony Award winning lyricist uh, to work and collaborate with, David Zippel. Um, and his credits up to this point include uh, two Broadway shows, City of Angels and The Goodbye Girl. Mr. Theater Major, do you know those two? Uh, do you know those two plays? I've heard of The Goodbye Girl. I don't know what it is. I've never heard of City of Angels. At least that I okay. can recall. Not to put yeah. you on the spot or anything. <laughs> so so, yeah, so this is when he's making still... He, he's never really going to have a full-time replacement for Howard uh, Yeah, Ashman, yeah, he, he, he does, yeah, does jump around Steve, a lot. Steven Schwartz was probably his most prolific partner post-Ashman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never, yeah, never, never anyone but permanent. Zippo, Zippo would uh, would work with uh, making a bunch... Apparently, Zippo actually... I just saw this. He wrote the lyrics for the Star Spangled Man from Captain America, which oh, now nice. making compose. That's pretty neat. That, that is pretty neat. So, That's you know, great. Even, even as far back as that, which is 10 years ago now, this upsetting to think that the first Captain America movie is 10 years old, but I guess that makes sense now. Yeah, he wrote oh, the Star yeah, Spangled that, Man. That, that is bizarre. Um, so John Mesker, uh, kind of, he suggested this gospel style, uh, for the music and, and Alan Menken originally didn't like that idea. He wanted to stick, you know, with the typical, you know, what they're used to. Um, but John, it was very, you know, prominent. No, it has to be this style. Let's try, you know, do what you do what you can. Uh, so he went through, he worked on it, kind of came up with this whole thing, you know, with Ron and John about having the, these muses be used as a storytelling, like driving device, uh, through song. Which really works out because the muses in the Greek mythology, the goddesses of the arts, who their roles are typically just retelling God's heroic accounts anyway. So it's kind of cool to kind of bring that, you know, kind of tie in there yeah. through song to tell the story. It's a pretty, it's a great framing device. And I actually do really like that kind of gospel flair to it, especially with, you know, Zero to Hero and uh, the, the, the opening song, uh, Gospel Truth. Gospel uh, Truth. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, stuff. it's just so different from what we've heard previously in other, right. you know, Disney films too. So it really stands out on its own because of that. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, speaking of like the songs, uh, what are your guys' like couple favorites that immediately you just kind of go to and gravitate to there's nothing there's not much in here that does it that misses i mean zero yeah, to hero is great good bangers i remember i can't remember which one it was but one of the vhs is for one of like the earlier disney films that had the sneak peek at her yeah like, like, like the trailer like, was like zero to hero yeah yeah but it played like a good chunk of zero to hero and i even then was pretty attached. I remember you went to McDonald's. They had a giant Hercules thing. They would even give you like yes. CDs with two of the songs on it. Oh, you, you, you're yeah. big and mighty, so you grow up big and yeah. strong. Like Hercules, get a quadruple I, cheeseburger. I used to be able to eat so much. Right. Ba- yeah, McDonald's had quadruple cheeseburgers, like Hercules theme. The, the, <laughs> Disney would never do that today. Yeah, right. I'll oh. get like two of them because I was 13 and could just eat whatever. <laughs> oh, I, I, I bring that up later. I bring that up oh. later for sure. <laughs> That's a joke that's, ahead, but those it's a fun, I mean, it's a fun memory. Excuse me. They were Man, good four, stuff. Um, even I don't think I could eat four patties. No, Man. it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, they put enough cheese in there to, <laughs> to yes, lubricate it. So it just all goes down. All those different flavors. Uh, I mean, you know, Go the Distance is a fantastic um, I Want song. Although the best mm. version is the one that was in the DVD that was sung by uh, by Michael Bolton? Loka guy. What's his name? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Michael Bolton. Oh, um, uh, Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin's version of Go the Distance. Because, yeah, it's 1998. So, of course, we got Ricky Martin to sing. Of course. Of course. It's fantastic. Yeah, but remember he's walking around that set. With all like the columns and some bases and like a lot of like smoke from a smoke machine. Wait, are you sure you're? Are you? Are, aren't you thinking of the Michael Bolton one? No, that's no. Wait, 
Wait, Michael no, Bolton. no. So Michael Bolton does that, but then there's also yeah. They, I think they use the same set. I think after Michael Bolton. Oh, okay, okay, in, that makes they sense. They brought him, they brought him in. They brought him <laughs> I absolutely the remember. Like, all right, yeah. now no you're importa sir. la distancia. Yeah, now you're gonna <laughs> sing it in Spanish. And it's gonna be. You're right. Maybe maybe I'm mixing some of this up now. Now for a moment. Now that Chris said that, now I'm worried that I just made up this whole thing with Ricky. Man, Martin, but I'm I, I, you may have. I think I think I found it. Right? I, I don't remember the Ricky Martin one at all. That AJ, it's real, right? I'm not crazy. No, I'm, I, I'm watching it right now. Okay. Uh, okay. Is it in the same set? Uh, he's just yeah. He's like, there's some columns and some sand yeah. and some fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> A cualquier distancia yo el amor alcance. Man, they, they played that music video of Michael Bolton a ton on the Disney Channel back then. They did. I just remember yeah. seeing it all the time. Well, wasn't this like when, was this by the time Disney Channel was finally not like a super premium channel, so like everyone had it, so they were really using it to market their movies yeah, to at market. this point. That yeah. that makes sense, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Meg's song? I won't say I'm in love. That, that and like one's... a lot of those songs, I used to hate the girl songs when I was a uh, a young boy, but now I I appreciate Man, I think them it's, and I like it's them. It's probably one of the best ones, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Not in the, the film, like of like the, the you know the female heroine songs. Yeah. Uh, and Star uh, Star is Born may be my favorite. Just the yeah, it doesn't get much respect. It, has. it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. It's so fun. It's Phil's boy. It's Phil's boy. Oh yeah, I just want yeah, a tear. Yeah. <laughs> a tear in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. good. How random is it that they cast the uh, band director from David Letterman to, to be Hermes? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of random stuff. Yeah. It really worked out, though. I did to, like to, it. Quote, to quote Seth uh, McFarlane, remember Bobcat Goldthwait? I don't. I don't. He, he's, uh, is he Pain or Panic? And I always mix it up. Oh, yes. Pain, he's, um, yes. Yeah, the guy, oh, the guy in Scrooge, who the disgruntled employee who goes to shoot uh, Bill Murray with the shotgun. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, it, it was it was Seth MacFarlane was on. You know, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon does like that like like impression uh, uh, slot machine thing, and it came up like Bobcat Goldthwait doing something. And Seth was like, I remember Bobcat Goldthwait. Say what? I don't. I didn't know his name. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know he good. was. Bobcat Goldthwait. I'm Bobcat uh, Goldthwait. Well, I tell you, I mean, I know who Painted Panic are. <laughs> it's like it's like that always yelling voice. There's no like yeah. quietness to it. It's Panic, too, I'm pretty sure. Without looking yeah, it no, up, he's I'm pretty sure he's it's Panic. That freer is uh, Panic. It's Panic. Oh, whoops. I was wrong. So anyway, so I mean, we could talk about the plot a little bit, I suppose. Um, well, let's talk about we all the inaccuracies know about for it. the original yeah, mythical. We have to do like a plot summary. You can go watch the movie on do, Disney+. Plus. Do, do you know the inaccuracies, Mike Soares? Well, sure. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, well for one thing, it's not historical inaccuracies. It's just based off of yeah. stories, which had different versions. But, I mean, the biggest thing... Hercules is actually a demigod. He's not like a real god who becomes human. His his mother is never Hera. In fact, Hera hates Hercules because you He's, know yeah. it's a, it, he was born from infidelity. And also, in like real Hercules, like so much of those stories are about all those the trials of Hercules, right? There's really yeah, like the, there's that, that montage when he's like beating they, they up kind all of the monsters. Them, yeah, yeah exactly. a little bit, yeah. But I mean, yeah. So you know, something with him getting the golden fleece or the apple and 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 all that stuff, and you know. There's a lot. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. In fact, at, at this point, I think the movie still took flack for it. Pocahontas was a turning point where people being like upset with the liberties Disney would take. And I kind of get with Pocahontas a little bit just because, you know, that, like, that's an historical event and Native American relations can always be touchy. But even still there, it's like, yeah, yeah it's a like, movie. Here, Greek it's mythology like, is mythology to begin with. So, like, sure, yeah, right, exactly. Cares. Like, whoever <laughs> was expecting this to be like a good interpretation of like, you know, uh, classical literature. Yes, exactly. Ah, uh, so so they had a bet. Jeff Katzenberg, he wanted the film to make a hundred million dollars. About, you know, be one of the blockbusters that they were hoping for. I'm sure ninety seven million would have been just fine. Yes. Well, in its first two weeks it earned fifty eight million, which is you know, which is good. But when you compare it to films like Pocahontas, which made eighty million in two weeks, and Lion King, which made hundred and nineteen it was kind of considered a bit of a box office disappointment uh, from Disney. And so much so that their stock even dropped by 9.7% <laughs> from 
from the release of the film. Yeah, that's crazy. It's kind of far, in my mind. This was a big deal, and again, I was a kid. It was. I think it was, it was marketed stuff. very well, actually. Yes, big time. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, wonder if it's... how often did we go to McDonald's back then? We saw it all the time. <laughs> I wonder if this one did maybe a little bit too good of a job appealing more to, like, the boys and girls. I have no idea what it is. But, I, again, like, it well, seems like everybody our age, they all loved Hercules. They all saw yeah, it. Yeah, we they all saw it. It, they, they, like, it seems like all of them seem to treat it as much of a big deal as a Lion King or an Aladdin. I wonder maybe the adults. It must be it. The adults probably just weren't as interested which, in this. Like, maybe this one's kinda, more of a kid's movie. I don't know. Which which is a little crazy to me because, you're right, the marketing did kind of fail to appeal to adults and teenagers. But really, it's kind of like the darkest of the Disney movies at the time. I mean, there's death and stuff going on. Like, people die. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Like, well, kind of brutally. Not, maybe not as dark as uh, Hunchback, but yeah, I, I kind of see your point those there. horses get frozen. The villages are getting destroyed by the Titans. I guess you use your imagination. Ah, they get away. No, they're fine. <laughs> Everyone's fine. It doesn't really look like it, but <laughs> there's a lava monster pouring Can't lava Can't be collateral damage in a Disney movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just I just watched it uh, the other day, and I was like, oh, it's kind of dark, but still, but still great. But um, I mean, the other thing too, the other films going on at that time that we discussed before, um, like well, maybe not Con Air, but more for like Definitely that audience, uh, like like Men in Black and Batman and Robin was going on at the Men time, so they kind of blamed it for that. Yeah. Yes, it was huge. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't a failure, but the Disney's, you know, kind of what they're expecting. It's well, relatively was. speaking, if, yeah. Even at this point, like, for so long, Disney was building off a of success into success. It was getting bigger and bigger. And if that peaked very obviously with Lion King. And Pocahontas already saw a downward trend. And if you look at it, it's like a, I'm sure if you look at it, there's a bell curve there. And I know, wonder what, trend happening. I'm curious what Tarzan performance was compared to this. Yeah, I'm curious. Probably I feel like Tarzan, little, I think Tarzan may have made a bit more money. I'm going to look it up. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but that's probably the last one to do as well <laughs> before the uh, the great comeback here. Um, but as far as, you know, critical reception goes, it, it was 84%, you know, positive based on 55 reviews. It's pretty um, good. So people liked it, you know, reviewed well. And regardless of this, uh, Katzenberg not being the, uh, the devil he seemed to be, I suppose, still greenlit Treasure Planet for Ron and John. And funny enough, that went on to perform even worse. So sigh. <laughs> big, big sigh. Cause it is, I mean, I know it's A one of my great movie. You're good. We love that movie. We absolutely love that movie. We've seen it. We saw it, what, like nine times in theater? Nine and a half times? Well, that was the first movie <laughs> we went to go see in a digital theater in Disney World. And then, like, the, the sound cut out and they couldn't fix it. So they had to switch over to the projector. And I was very upset. <laughs> yep. That's right. We we uh, we fell in love with that. So You guys I actually mean, got one of the greatest Christmas gifts I ever got. when you got me that uh, signed lithograph signed by Ron oh, Cunningham yeah. and John Musgrave, the ship in yeah. the Ethereum. You still have that? I do. They paid all that money for their signature. They should they should get on this show too now. What the heck? Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, we, we paid owed. for you. <laughs> we paid. Oh no, but they really pay. Hey, sign this. We're gonna sell it in that shop outside of the animation tour in, in MGM Studios. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So as far as the Hercules story goes, it ends happily. But as far as Ron and John and Treasure Planet goes, it ends sad. But oh well. On, on to other things. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> on to on to other things. That. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, tough cookies. So there actually was a sequel uh, originally planned, you know, back in the day with that Disney Toon brand that was going on. Right. It was like there always was a sequel, sequel. planned. Yeah. It, it, and even funnier, it was called Hercules 2 to the Trojan War. It's almost kind of like bringing back that <laughs> initial uh, concept. The Good idea. It never dies at Disney. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when John Lasseter was named Disney's new uh, CCO, all of those kind of spinoffs and sequels were, were canceled. So this was one of those that fell in that bracket. Yep. Um, there was a TV show which you know we didn't really watch. I didn't watch too much of this. No, I, I, I didn't really it. like any of these shows. Uh, I mean, up. I at this point I was tuned out of of, of those things. Um, but, yeah, like Aladdin. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I love the last show. This almost seems like that, but this was like Hercules in high school. Like he's doing his training with Phil, and there's like two new characters. Like there's like his spacey guy friend, and then there was like a different uh, like f- girlfriend thing and like hades was still there but i i, I was always kind of confused about how much he knew about hercules right because yeah, obviously right. he shouldn't so I, I i don't think anybody had any particular love for this but that's probably just me being a little bit too well old, i right? think there were there were 65 episodes that were made uh i, I don't know how many episodes were made of the other of the other series with these animated films yeah, it's not, it's a little low compared to the a other little one, low probably. not too crazy off the mark but certainly yeah, not something that was going to play in syndication forever 
But the cool thing is, some of the original voice cast came back, like James Woods, uh, Tate Donovan. He came back as a Hercules mm-hmm. too. So James Wood was always down to come back. Yeah, and reprise the he role still of Hades. would come back for like for like he's in all Kingdom the Kingdom Hearts, right? Yeah. yeah. Anytime they need Hades for something, it's like I'm there. Like you I respect it. that about it, because yeah. it is always disappointing when it's like, oh, it's. It, I see that it's it's uh, yeah. it's what it's a uh, yeah, Dan Costellanetta or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, so, so okay. So by the way, so Hercules domestic made a little bit over ninety nine million dollars. Not ninety nine. You mean Tarzan? No, Hercules made over. Uh, oh uh, yes, I, I missed that in the notes. Ninety nine. Oh, overall, I'm sorry, I missed. I missed her. Two, yeah, so, two fifty three international. So just under one hundred thousand. But then Tarzan made one hundred seventy one thousand. Oh wow! Or million. A million. Sorry, yeah, yeah one hundred seventy one million dollars. So Tarzan, a little less than twice as well. But Tarzan was the bigger hit, which actually almost wow. sur- that does surprise me. I'll be honest. Man, yeah, I, I, that's another one too that I remember really getting shoved down our throats as far as the marketing goes. Right. Well, Not that, that I was complaining. I just remember it. Pretty yeah, they were really going all out for it back then. Um. So yeah, that TV show it was called Zero to Hercules Zero to Hero, and that was in 1999. Uh, something else that's cool, and I brought this up earlier. There, it's a stage production of this uh, of Hercules. Um, that was from August 21st to September 8th, 2019. It took part as part of that Shakespeare in the Park Festival that they do in Central Park. Uh-huh. Um, and, and Mencken and Zippel, they returned to do like to, to do the music. I don't know if there were new songs or anything, but they, you know, they formatted it. I bet the, there's new songs. Yeah, there always is. Um, but uh, get that Oscar nom. Yeah. That's right. There's an interview with Alan Mencken too. Uh, Tony Edge guy. Tony's. Tony's. Come on. Oh, when they, but, uh, you know, I mean, when they do no. I, in fact, action. AJ, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, then, when they turn like, it into a movie, they have to add another, another brand song. new yeah, song, right. or else it's not eligible. That's why yes. in the live action version of the of uh, Beauty and the Beast, Beauty they don't use the Great Beast song from the Broadway show. They, they call have it that new one. new one, which isn't good. It's no good. I mean, it's still okay, but no. yeah, that, that I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But I agree, the one from the play is much, much better. Yeah. But anyway, Alan Menken, he, he, he was interviewed uh, saying that they are working to make this a Broadway production, so maybe we'll, well be able to see that someday. Hopefully. There's that stage production version of um, of Hunchback Notre Dame that was amazing. It was the same thing when oh Menken came back and so did new good. songs for it, but it, uh, yes. didn't, didn't make it to Broadway. You got, you need to look for that soundtrack on whatever streaming platform it's you use yeah. to it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's pretty good. It's so good. I'm just saying, yeah, to the audience, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I picked up that. First, I thought you were saying to me, the director's like, no, I know what No, Carter. we've discussed it quite <laughs> yeah. extensively. Like, oh, know. that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like most things these, these days, there's a live-action remake in the works. Of course. Uh, currently by the producers of the, uh, the Lion King remake. Um, and Joe and Anthony Russo are also... Uh, I guess serve to be producers as well. And this we one's know, okay. sorry, Chris. I this one no. seems as this one seems as ill suited for a live action remake as about anything. Like, how does that right. make any sense? I, don't I think know. this one's It'll just going to be such a weird CG fest, and it's going to be a weird mishmash. And I don't know. There's little, there's really no reason to do it except like, well, why not? It's yeah, it's one it's we can't next. do. It's the next. On next. The list. Yeah, it's like over. <laughs> you're next. You're next. <laughs> um. So yeah, what was that Hercules burger called at McDonald's? AJ, do you I'm pretty remember? sure it was the Big and Mighty. Mm-hmm. The Big and Mighty. Yeah. Remember too, like the, the uh, yeah, yes, that's right. And the, those plates that you could get, the Hercules plates and everything. Good. Yeah, uh, and the Happy Meal toys. Uh, yeah, that was good stuff there. I, I mean, wish I still had those plates. It's funny. Most people remember the Szechuan uh, the Szechuan sauce for Mulan. I remember the Big and Mighty, the quadruple <laughs> cheeseburger. But that was in the middle of that giant McDonald's and Disney uh, relationship that they had for a yeah. while there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. Do you guys remember the video game for uh, PlayStation? Yeah. Phenomenal I, game. Yeah, okay, phenomenal. It's, it phenomenal. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, it looks great. It looks it's, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's one of those 2.5Ds. It's also weird because it was like that early era of CD games, so they just like played low-resolution scenes from the movies in between the levels yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be, I, interesting, it'd be interesting to go back to it. I can tell you that. There's the one quick, you know, speaking of that, right before the final level... The scene is like when you know Meg gets crushed by that boulder, and Hercules picks it up with his strength that he regains. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that sequence is embedded in my head because I could not beat that final level, and it just replayed <laughs> can... over and over. Yeah, I have like it. PTSD when I watch that in, in the movie. I hate it. Yeah, Hercules um, was always a big part in the Kingdom Hearts game. There's a Hercules level 
in like most of them. Uh, the I, main the main three games, I think there's a Hercules level in Birth by Sleep. Uh, they always I'm, go back I'm sure to that. that was. Uh, you think Tate came back to play Hercules in that? As well, well? It, he did, but not in the first one. It was Sean yeah. Austin played Hercules. Yeah, which that's is weird, right? Right. right. That was like, that was like, like a bigger actor back then. Right. It was like more. And like he had like five lines. Like, why'd you pay Sean Austin to do that? It was weird. I don't know. But yeah, then he came back uh, for Kingdom Hearts two, and uh, he's probably like, three. I could have made how much money doing that? Oh well. Like, yeah. Maybe they just forgot Could've to add. Maybe they forgot who did the voice. Like, was it Sean? It was probably Sean Austin asking Sean. Yeah. Like, sure. What? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I say what? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, can do. And who can forget the uh, the the MGM Studios parade uh, back when they would promote their films uh, in that way. Back in the mid '90s, mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Yeah. It even aside, so when the premiere of this movie happened, what I forget where it was, but they they shipped the uh, Main Street Electrical Parade to the premiere to that city. I forget if it was Hollywood or if it was New York, but and they it's just the Main Street Electrical Parade. But they added a Hercules floats just for that yes. like one night. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Man, that and again that was called Zero to Hero Two, and they just played the song over and over. Oh yeah, so. yeah, the Zero to Hero Parade. Uh, yeah, that was just literally that song. Yep, which, they just. The, they really like that uh, that rhyme they, they picked up on. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> so, yep, that's that's the film. Um, for you guys, where do you think it ranks on your like you know favorite Disney animated feature film? Huh, I think it's it's probably middleish, but higher middleish. I think I would say. Um, there's probably even some older ones that are probably better, but I like this one more just because it was kind of of my time. I suppose I probably like it better. Like in terms of, like the '90s ones, I probably like it better than say. Tarzan or Mulan or Pocahontas. It's probably don't like it more than Hunchback or like the big ones. I don't like it more than Beating the Beast, Aladdin, uh, or Lion King. This is my number three. Number, number three. three. Wait, what's out of it? Hunchback, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and then this. I absolutely love this film. Almost number two. I know I'm Whoa. weird, but I love it that much. That's... It just it came out at the right time for me, as you know, the being what, like ten years old or whatever, eight years old. What about you, AJ? Ha, I mean, it's, it's, I guess I'd say middle of the road for me. Uh, it's not my top tier, but by no means do I dislike it or anything. Man, I could, I could watch this at any time. I can. Give Give it it me me. No, me too, for sure. Yeah, I, I always enjoy it. There's and, just uh, others I like better. Right, it is genuinely funny. The music is fantastic. It does have a nice aesthetic to it. It's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. There's, I don't really yeah. have any big, and, you know, uh, Hades is definitely a fantastic villain. In fact, he's probably the most, the thing that endured the most from this is Hades, because he showed right. up. Oh, where the, he like he'll be the host for like a villains nights at Disney World and stuff like that. He was he's then Fantasmic. He was a, a big carryover from this. In fact, he was probably the newest addition to Fantasmic at that point. Like he was the newest character to be in the Disney World. Yeah, but that makes sense because yeah. you know, Pocahontas yeah. had a big presence. And yeah, I can't think of anything. Is there anything past Hercules? I don't think so. No, there's nothing. Well, oh no, no, no. There is a little Mulan section in those bubbles, isn't oh, there? Oh sure, yeah, they threw that. There in you there. go. I saved there myself go. there. Nicely done. Yeah, very nice. So that's All it. right. That's it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Good good job there, Chris. Correct. Well we, done. That's Hercules in the bin. AJ, yeah, next next time it's going to be back to you. We've done two movies. You're going to bring us back to the parks? Yeah, well, it is the new year and time for New Year's resolutions where you can make a better you. And what better way to do that than to learn a new skill or uh, wow. you know, some something uh, fancy like that? So we're going to look back at one of the interesting kind of failed experiments of the Walt Disney Company, the Disney Institute. Oh, oh my. Yes, That's so the Disney one. Institute, if you don't know, if you didn't watch Disney Inside Out in the 90s. The this Disney was Resort Disney... of the Week. Yes, they, they just checked in every week. What's going on at the Disney Institute? George Foreman, tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Disney Institute was their kind of weird combo of like vacation club resort that like had like workshops, like cooking classes, animation classes, woodworking classes. Um, trying to tap in this idea that was bigger than the 90s of people going on vacation to better themselves. And uh, we'll talk about how it was developed, where it was developed, and why it didn't work. It didn't work. Now, who <laughs> wants to go to work. vacation to better themselves? I want to make myself worse. Yeah. <laughs> I want. I want to largify myself. I don't know. If I want to. Right. I want. I want to forget things when I go on vacation. Not I want to be more. more out of more out of shape, more in debt, and forget everything. I want to learn right. things on a very stupid, rudimentary level, like like the Phoenicians invented the alphabet. I don't know what I'm going to do with that information, but sure, I'll learn that. <laughs> I don't want to learn like how you'll, to. You'll like, say it at a cocktail party. Like, 
Luckily, there is an excellent attraction for you in Epcot for that. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. <laughs> we did it. You think right, it would so, be a Hercules attraction, like a full-on Hercules attraction? Probably not. I don't think Probably so. Probably not. You know nah, what we cool did? Though. You know what we did to talk about? Well, we talked about before, but the uh, the uh, Disney Quest video game thingy that was there, which oh, you can yeah. learn more about in our Disney Quest episode. There it was go. a it there was Gauntlet. Go. There you go. <laughs> that's, it was, that's, that's it was Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Gauntlet we'll... the Dark Legacy specifically. Yes. Thank you for listening to 90s Disney. You can find more of us at 90sdisney.com, where you can also find links to past, present, and future episodes of the show and subscribe on the podcast service of your choice. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or email us at 90sdisneypodcast at gmail.com with your concerns, questions, comments, and ideas for future shows. Thank you again for listening. We hope you all had a phenomenal holiday and a happy new year to everybody as we go into 2022. And uh, another fun year of 90s Disney stuff. Until then, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. We'll see you.